Um, so who has tried some element, if you've been here for some of our sermons before, or for the summer, or you've been in one of our small groups this summer, if not totally off the hook, do not worry at all. Who has done some element of Sabbath-related stuff that we have been asking guests to do, challenging how to do? Look at that. That's great. That's awesome. If you dipped a toe in the water, has anyone done anything crazy? I don't know. <laughs> Who's like in the deep end? Anybody? Claire is. Just kidding. I knew you were scratching your head. I was just like, I'll just take that. So um, we've been talking about Sabbath. We're really drawing to the end of this, this series. And the big thing is really just trying to have this be something we don't just talk about. We've been talking about it in our small groups and on Sunday mornings, but trying to learn how to rest, how to delight in who God is and what he gives us, how to worship him, how to make room for a break from um, the things of life, the stress, the work, the, the chores, the things that occupy our mind, uh, the internet, uh, many things. So that's what we've been talking about, just to catch you up. Today we're talking about delight. So our definition that we've been borrowing of Sabbath is a 24-hour period of time, which we're really lax about that because we're all just starting out, um, of rest of a 24-hour period of time or something to stop, rest, delight, and worship. So today we're going to be talking about delight, but first I just want to kind of take a second to remember what our overarching goal is and why do we care about this. Uh, We've talked a lot about God creating Sabbath as a gift for us, building rest into the structure of creation because it's good for us. We know that we can't go without rest for too long. We know we can't go without sleep for too long, but also when we make ourselves work day after day after day, it's not sustainable. So we know that God built that into the structure of creation because it's good for us. Also, God tells us to do this, um, and that's a great reason to do anything, but also we want to follow Jesus. We want to be his apprentices. John was referencing that earlier in his testimony. We want to be with him, become like him, and do what he would do. What else is worth doing in life? You know, what else is worth striving for? What else is worth being the guiding principle of our lives? Jesus lived this amazing life as a human being. He loved God the Father with his whole being. He loved his neighbors really well. And in his daily, weekly life, he did very practical and accessible things that uh, kept his heart right and helped him stay humble, stay in line with the Father's will to stay on mission. He prayed. He spent time in solitude and quiet. He studied scripture. He fasted. He was generous. He communed with others. He created community around himself, and he rested. And he practiced Sabbath. So we get to see, on one hand, Jesus living this amazing life that seems inaccessible, and yet many things he did are very accessible, very possible for us to replicate, and um, it might just help us uh, stay in line with and stay connected to the Father, uh, and just in the ways that Jesus used those things as well. So he invites us to live the way that he lived. It's not easy. It's not a cakewalk, but it is possible, and we know it's good. So I just want to remind you of that overarching thing, because talking about Sabbath in that context is really important. We're not just like, all right, guys, Sabbath is the thing, the thing that's going to change everything about your life forever, and that's the only thing. We're like, no, we're drawing from Jesus here. That's, That's the important part. Jesus is the the really important factor of this, and the only reason that we're interested in doing these things. So, uh, like I said, we're talking about delight today, and we've had a number of sermons in the past so far speak to kind of like a lot of the stop part, how to stop, how to push back, how to create space, how to take breaks, how to create boundaries, that kind of stuff. And we've had a good amount of talking about rest as well. Um, 
and you know just trying to take a break from chores and um and learn how to do that knowing that we're kind of restless people and even when we are resting we're kind of not resting our brains if that makes sense so we talked a lot about that kind of stuff but now i think the question with delight is sort of what we fill that space with once we have made space pushed back decided things we're kind of like taking a break from and trying to make space what do we fill that day with what do we what do we do once we have that space um, and what does it mean to delight even that's like a word that's so common we all know it but like very broad and would we all have the same definition probably not so i'll be honest delight is really not my strong suit and i actually kind of took this one thinking like oh yeah we have some stuff we do when we do sabbath that we've kind of like gotten in a routine of and stuff so i thought like nice this will be easy and then uh, leslie can have the next one and then i was prepping this and i was like man i am not good at this this is like not my thing delight i just didn't realize how bad I am at it. So anyway, take, that, take everything I say after this with a grain of salt. Um, but I think I realized I have like an internal cautious, you could say realism or pessimism in some ways, because I don't want to be caught off guard by things going badly. Does that relate to anybody else? Okay, sweet. Uh, if I can keep in mind how bad and broken the world is, how many people are thirsty, hungry, sick, how often people discriminate against other people, how selfish everyone else is, how selfish I am too, um, how stuck in our opinions we all are, how little we really care about listening to other people uh, most of the time, how motivated we all are by what's easy, what feels good. John was talking about that, about comfort. Earlier is perfect. And if I can just keep those thoughts in my mind, when something good happens, and I receive a great gift or a blessing from God or witness true human generosity, it'll be an awesome surprise. I can just quickly flip the switch back over to like optimism and like joy and um, delight and worship and praise God for what's good. But it doesn't really work that way, at least not for me. It's not like an easy switch to flip from sort of like this realism, pessimism over to like, oh, something really good happened. Great. Now I can just let myself enthusiastically, joyfully celebrate this thing. Uh, so if that works for you, great. But I just, just I've realized it doesn't really work. I end up kind of numbing myself from everything. A lot of these sort of extreme feelings and emotions instead of just the things I'm sort of trying to protect myself from. Does that make sense? I don't think there's really like a selective numbing uh, unless you're like talking about medicine or something like that. But nothing makes this more obvious to me than being around a person who is truly full of like a godly delight and being annoyed by that person. <laughs> that I think is one of the true signs. Like, okay, maybe I'm not a delightful person and maybe my approach is not helping me. So um, I've told a story about this friend of mine and a, and a former coworker of mine named John Douglas uh, a couple times. I think it's been long enough where most of you might have forgotten. But despite saying I'm annoyed with people like that, this, is, this really embodies him. He's a very delightful person, and I really love him. So um, just know that, that I have this sort of dual struggle where I'm like annoyed by the things he does, but I'm also like I shouldn't be, and I love him a lot. So um, that says a lot more about me than him, I assure you. So he was a missionary in Kenya for about 20 years back in the like, 70s and 80s helped to get a like national church planting network going. And then his job was done there. The goal, doing it the right way, is to get people that live in the country to be the ones taking ownership of and planting the church. So he did that. He lived there for 20 years and got that going and came back to the U.S. and was just already a different kind of dude. He missed some key uh, American cultural stuff during that time, the 70s and 80s. And he just was gone for that. So um, he's a quirky dude already. You can tell that the first time of interacting with him. But he loves God loves creation. He's just a person full of delight. 
one of the jokes we had about him around our office was just that he would say wow so much and about small and big things. Like it was just like, you'd be like, yeah, I don't know, like you got a new backpack from that. He'd be just like, wow, that looks, that's so many pockets. And it's just, that looks like it'd be really useful. And then someone might be like, hey, there's some extra cookies in the break room. And I'd be like, wow. And he just, he said it so often. And it was really kind of hard to really make fun of him for it. Cause you're kind of like, man, this is like making his day. And, <laughs> And for me, it's not. Like, I'm jealous of him when I think about it, you know? So that's one thing that he would do, but it gets crazier. So uh, we would go on these trips as a humanitarian ministry. So he helped to do that, especially in um, southern and eastern Africa, where he had been, spent 20 years doing mission work. He would go on the trips with us, and he liked camping anywhere and everywhere he possibly could. So one morning when we were there, I was stressed. I was working. I was trying to, like, deal with getting batteries for cameras charged and like using generators and also I didn't sleep well and also had a cold shower, all the stuff that's like normal kind of gets you after several days of being somewhere different. And, um, and I was at breakfast and I was like, how's your morning, John? And he was like, oh, it was amazing. I pulled my mattress out into the outside last night and I got some, found some mosquito netting and hung it up over a tree and I just slept on my mattress and just looked at the stars and heard the sounds of the animals. And it was the most amazing night ever. And I was like, oh. <laughs> that's what you decided to do? You just opted to do that? And I'm also I was like, what if something like got you? I don't know. Like, it seems kind of unsafe. But then he was like telling me, he's like, I have camped in this many countries. And it was like an insane number. Like everywhere he's gone, he's found a way to just sleep outside open air camping. And he just does that. Person of delight, looking for a chance to like do something that, um, that makes him go, wow, that um, is just delight. But sometimes those things like this, there's this, there's this drink in, um, it's called Stony Tengawisi, which is like basically a, it's like a ginger drink, but way more gingery than like what we have here. It's not like ginger ale. It's even stronger than ginger beer. It's just soda that they have over there in like Zimbabwe and Tanzania and a bunch of countries around there. And um, I loved that, my first time experiencing it. And John has loved it for a long time and had it whenever he lived there. And so he was like, I want to bring so much of this Stony back with me. So we're in the airport trying to leave, and he is jamming his suitcase full of Stony because it's a drink he loves so much, and you can't get in the U.S. He's just jamming his suitcase full of it. And we're all lining up to away the suitcases, and he's like, can't fit them all in. He's chugging one of them. And he's just like, this is a 75-year-old man, by the way. I should have said that at the beginning. He is this guy who, like, you would not expect this to be the way he's doing. He is full of delight. He is like, I am not stressed. I'm trying to get as much Stony back to the U.S. as I possibly can because I love this drink. Wow. Um, another one is that, Em reminded me of this one last night. I'd forgotten about the story. We were coming back from a trip, and we had a, like a two-and-a-half-hour layover in LAX, and they make you do customs when you come back like that right there, so they you get all your luggage back. We had that long of a layover, and he was like, I just, I love California. I love the beaches. I love the ocean. I love the sky. Uh, let's go. Let's get an Uber or something like that. Let's all go to the beach and, like, at least get our toes in the water. And, and was, we're like, we all have our suitcases and stuff and, like, tons of stuff that we had to bring for this trip. And then we're, I'm like, we're like, John, it's also been like two weeks we've been away from him. Like, John, we're not doing that. Like, plus, like, if we miss the flight, like, we're stuck with all this stuff. And it's been this long journey back. And I don't think, I think my wife would kill me. Um, and so he, but he does it. He gets an Uber by himself, takes all of his suitcases with him, goes to the beach, hangs out, 
gets back just in time. He and and he's not like looking stressed. I'm like John, you, you just barely made that. He's like, oh, it was awesome. It was so so nice getting my feet in the in the ocean. Man, it was such a wonderful time. He also does things that. What I love about this, like he's not just a still life person, but it turns him to worship a lot. So do you guys know, like for a lot of us, I think millennials and Gen Z, we might know of the hymn, Give Thanks. Like give thanks with a grateful heart. So he uh, is not like a singer singer, but he sort of assumes everybody knows that hymn, I guess, um, because it's familiar to him. And he would just decide to start singing it during certain times. Like say something cool would just happen or we just finished a meal or just finished up doing like an eyeglasses clinic, something like that. He just started being like, give thanks with a grateful heart. Give thanks and expecting everyone to just join in. He, but he's not going to stop. So you just better join in. So people like John are what make me realize that I have a long way to go on the light. This guy delights in life, in creation, in God, in people. He is a delightful person. And I'm like, man, I have so much to learn and there's so many things to laugh at or poke at a little bit, but man, I wish I was him. So I think most of us, and I'm sorry if you're not, but I think most of us are a little bit this way, the way I describe myself, kind of numbing ourselves, hedging our bets, not wanting to get too excited about stuff, want to be realistic so that when things go bad, we are not thrown off and it curbs our delight. We're keenly aware of the many things that are not good about our world. And that stuff is true. It's like, there are a lot of things that aren't good about our world, especially if you've ever been on the internet. So these things are shown to us all the time, more and more and more. You know, it's like there's not many more of the same these things happening necessarily, but we are way more aware of them than we used to be. So many bad things, but if we're honest, we know that's not all that's happening in our world, right? We're aware that's not all that's happening. We know that good things are happening. We know that, that God, as followers of Jesus, we know that he will return to bring justice, to renew creation, and we should have the best slash most hope enjoy because of that. We know that that's going to happen in the future and that God is going to restore everything. So we should have the most hope out of everybody, but I don't know if we always do, you know, because it really affect our actual outlook and daily lives and stuff. So uh, I think there's two extremes. We're either so carefully aware of all that's bad that we don't know how or don't let ourselves delight in God's goodness and the goodness of creation. And, or maybe that you kind of do both these things, but you could be opposite or whatever. We spend our delight so quickly, so frivolously on temporary things, things that don't make us more delightful people and things that don't lead us to worship God. Sort of like every quarter you get spending on a gumball. It's like temporary, doesn't last. We've all done that as kids where we spend the allowance so fast, never do anything really meaningful that changes our lives or, or whatever. And if you're a big gum fan, then I'm sorry. But so, so it ends up being like trying to delight is almost like trying to buy a present for someone who has always been getting themselves everything they want or need constantly. Do you guys have somebody like that in your life? They just kind of always get what they want or need. I think Melissa's sort of nudging Mason. Yeah, okay, all right. Yep, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and so it's hard to buy things for them um, because they already have what they want or need. And it's hard to think of what's something I could get for this person that they would really love, they'd find joy and that would like affect their lives. But the person is ourselves. We are making it hard on ourselves because we're sort of frivolously spending our delight this isn't everybody, but I think a lot of us, uh, on small, little, insignificant things that don't make us more delightful people. But it comes down to trying to figure out, well, how should I really spend this delight? We don't know, and we've spent it all on other stuff. Um, if that analogy helps you, then, um, but it might be a little confusing. Whatever. 
You get it. Um, so what can we do is this something that some personalities and some sort of people and types are just better at? And if we're not enthusiastic or optimistic people automatically, there's nothing we can do? Or is it like only the healthy, the wealthy, people with no cares in the world who can delight in life? Man, I hope not. <laughs> I really hope that's not the case. It's like personality, that's it. Or are you wealthy? All right, you're good. I hope that's not the case. But let's find out. Let's look what, to what God says, what God thinks about this, and see if we can come away with an encouraging um, outlook and some steps forward to change this. So my main point is this. Sabbath is a chance to delight today and to grow into becoming people of delight. Sabbath is a chance to delight today and to grow into becoming people of delight. So first I want to say that when the Bible talks about this idea of delight, it can use a bunch of different words that mean very similar things. Delight, joy, rejoice, words like that are used interchangeably. So some of these verses go back and forth on that. But all the same idea. So I want to turn to the Bible with these questions in mind. Why might delight be important to God? And why should it be part of Sabbath, part of a time of rest that we are having in our weekly schedules? Why should it be part of that? And why should it be part of our lives more broadly? So just to remind you in Genesis 1, at the end of 1 and beginning of 2, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. The heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he'd been doing, so on the seventh day he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day, made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. God paused after he'd done this to take in creation, to observe it, reflect on it, call it very good, and enjoy it. And in the Bible, that's the starting place for this topic. That's as early as it gets to talk about this. It seems like a, as good a start as any to, to delight, to pause, to take in creation, to observe it, reflect on it, call it very good, enjoy it, and adding on for, for us and to praise God for it. Um, we'll be, Leslie will be talking about worship and praise as part of Sabbath next week. But you can see how delight and praise just go very hand in hand. It's hard to really separate them. So uh, Dallas Willard has a quote that reflects on this exact piece of scripture that I found really interesting. I'll just read it for you. We should, to begin with, think that God leads a very interesting life and that he is full of joy. Undoubtedly, he is the most joyous being in the universe. While I was teaching in South Africa some time ago, this is the quote, a young man took me out to see the beaches near his home in Port Elizabeth. I was totally unprepared for the experience. I'd seen beaches, or so I thought, when we came over the rise where the sea and land opened up to us, I stood in stunned silence and then slowly walked toward the waves. Words cannot capture the view that confronted me. I saw space and then light and texture and color and power that seemed hardly of this earth. Gradually, there crept into my mind the realization that God sees this all the time. He sees it, experiences it, knows it from every possible point of view. This and billions of other scenes like and unlike it in this and billions of other worlds, great tidal waves of joy must constantly wash through his being. It's perhaps strange to say, but suddenly I was extremely happy for God and thought I had some sense of what an infinitely joyous consciousness he is, that what it might have meant for him to look at his creation and find it very good. What a perspective, 
what a thought. I hope I can have a thought a little interesting, like a little sliver of it interesting like that someday, something close. It really makes you think about the personality and character of God. He's someone who's curious, who's creative, a craftsman, an artist, who loves to make beautiful things, loves to admire that beauty, loves to pause and examine and enjoy. Um, Isn't that crazy? Isn't that interesting? Does that change your thinking just a little bit? I'm going to reread the Isaiah verse that we referenced a few times so far, but in this series, it's like what's really helpful about it is it really brings home the bacon on like connecting Sabbath to delight in a really straightforward way. This is in Isaiah 58. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable. You honor it by not going your own way, not doing as you please or speaking idle words, and you'll find your joy in the Lord. And I'll cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So taking that time to... I think what's interesting about this definition of, of Sabbath, the way that it's talked about in Isaiah, is it's about delighting in this day and in in, in something set aside that we honor, but it's also about inheritance and feasting on what God's given us and enjoying what he's made and given. Um, and I think that's just, it's such an interesting, I don't know, connection that I, I still find myself having to convince myself of because it's just not the way I understood the idea of Sabbath as a, as a kid, I guess. We didn't even really like have a strong rule around that or anything like that, but it just, it's, yeah, it's, it's right there in scripture to delight in the Sabbath. And so how can we get more specific than just that though? What are, what are the things that maybe according to scripture across other parts of scripture, should we be delighting in about God and about his creation? So I think there's a few things. I want to give you sort of a list here. I think one of the main ones that's really obvious is just delighting in God himself delighting in God himself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. Delighting in God with every part of your being is one of those things that, that scripture um, paints a really strong picture for, um, of the life that we should be leading. Uh, another one is delighting in God's ways, his words, his instructions, his methods, that kind of stuff that is very tied to but slightly separate from just his being, but the things he gives us, things he tells us. Um, In Psalm 1, it talks about it like this. How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked or stand in the pathway with sinners or sit in the company of mockers. Instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction. He meditates on it day and night. He's like a tree planted beside flowing streams. It bears its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers. Delighting God's ways, his instructions, the things he's told us, um, meditating on them day and night, loving them that much um, is one of, one of the ways we can delight. Um, another that one I think we've kind of talked about a little bit already is just delighting in the aspects and elements of his creation, delighting in the things that he has done and made, food, drink, people, nature, animals, you know, all of that. Um, and we see this across the Old Testament woven through the rhythms of sacrifice and feasts and celebrations together as people. All those things are connected food, drink, people, nature. Ecclesiastes, it says this, go eat your bread with pleasure. Drink your your wine with a cheerful heart, for God has already accepted your works. Let your clothes be white all the time. Never let oil be lacking on your head. Enjoy life with the wife you love all the days of your fleeting life. 
Um, and then this, can, this idea right here continues even in the New Testament where Jesus comes eating and drinking. They call him a drunkard and a glutton. He's, he's hanging out with all kinds of people, eating and drinking all the time to the point where they're accusing him of being a drunkard and a glutton. So it's not just a little bit. It's not like he sometimes had some big meals with some people. If they were throwing that accusation around, I'm betting he was constantly doing this, you know? And it continues to that trend by, like we talked about with communion, commanding us to remember him by eating and drinking, by breaking bread, by getting, gathering together, by drinking the wine, by remembering him through food and drink. Isn't that interesting? And of course, I think what's interesting in the New Testament too is like the, just the direct mention of Sabbath does decrease. You probably noticed that as we've been talking about this. There's a lot of Old Testament references and a handful of new. But um, the instruction decreases a lot. But one of the most notable passages that we've talked about a little bit is when Jesus reminds us Sabbath was made for us, not us for the Sabbath. Yeah. God's point of view, his, his design with this was not to just you know, create a strict set of rules to enslave us to something that we must adhere to on a day and, you know, make us have to do something, but to give us a gift, one that frees us, not enslaves us, frees us from things. Right. Um, Ryan also talked quite a bit about that. Um, Bristow. Um, actually, Pache too. I, I'll stop referencing everybody else's sermons because we've all talked about the same things. But def, definitely go listen to them because we all get a chance to go deep on different stuff. But um, it's a slightly different kind of tension that is arising in the New Testament, though. When we think about Sabbath, we think about delighting, we think about, you know, there's this idea that we've talked about, the already and the not yet. Jesus has come back already. He's, he's come in the, initially already, right? He's already died for our sins. And here we are living life living our daily lives, waiting for his return, for justice, for the renewal of creation, for the restoration of creation. As Jesus' Jesus' followers and apprentices were that we're seeing that play out in the New Testament, we see Paul talk about this idea, and that is still the the situation that we are in as well as Jesus' followers and apprentices. We are experiencing the joy and the life change of what Jesus has already done for us. He has already done so much for us. We also are living daily in a version of creation that's still broken and gripped by sin, and we're waiting eagerly for his return. So I think that is a, a part of what makes some of this delight stuff a little bit hard. There's a tension there about we're waiting. We want this to happen yesterday, but it's not happened yet. But also, we already have experienced so much joy, so much that God has given us, so much that Jesus has done in our lives. So we have this tension of, of kind of being stuck between two things, between two worlds, if, if I may focus t-shirt design uh, committee. Um, so Jesus talks about this very thing. <laughs> what did you say? Yeah. Yep. Um, we've t- Jesus talked about this very thing in John 16. He says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart because I've overcome the world. He, we have to be reminded there's like, there's these difficulties are going to keep happening. And in Jesus' life, they happened like a lot. So these difficulties are going to happen. There's going to be sadness, exhaustion, hurt, frustration, loss, but take heart. He's already overcome it. Jesus himself experienced all of those things. He knew what he was talking about. He knew what he was warning us about. That's something that, that isn't like a, a curveball with all these things we're talking about with delight and delighting in God and his creation. It's not like, oh man, we forgot that they're going to be having troubles. Dang it. Maybe we should have prefaced that, you know? He's just telling that right, us that right now. And then earlier in John, he says, as the Father has loved me, I've also loved you. Remain in my love. You keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands. Remain in his love. I've told you these things so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. 
Jesus wants us to be joyful. And he's not saying someday you will be, you know, wait and just tough it out and grit your teeth. He wants us to be joyful. Um, he's told us this thing so that his joy may be in us. That seems like a way better kind of joy than anybody else's. And that um, our joy may be complete and it can only be complete in him. So um, Jesus wants us to be joyful. And he, know, he knew that he was talking about troubles, uh, that we were going to be having troubles. And he didn't just say that without that in mind. He knew that was part of it. So Jesus knows about this tension we'd be experiencing. Things will be hard, but he wants us to be joyful. So there's several pieces in Philippians that really speak to this tension as well that I want to talk about. So in Philippians 4, um, it says, actually, all of these come from Philippians 4, but I'm doing them in a weird order. So sorry about that. Um, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, Whatever is commendable, if there's any moral excellence, if there's anything praiseworthy, dwell on these things. This is Paul telling us a really good practical tactic for growing in delight. Think about what's good. Think about it. Make yourself think about it. You know, draw your mind to those things. Prioritize those things. Exercise our delight muscles by lending ourselves to draw our attention to what is good, what is lovely, what is praiseworthy in our lives. He's assuming there is something there. And if there, if there is anything at all, even a little bit, that is what we should be thinking about keeping front of mind. Not that we don't think about anything else ever, but keep these things front of mind. It's a really good tactic for growing in our delights, for stretching that muscle. Um, in that same chapter, he says, he talks about this, which I think is equal, you know, super, super applicable to the same thing. But I've learned to be content in whatever circumstances I find myself. I know how to make do with little and how I know how to make do with a lot. In any and all circumstances, I've learned the secret of being content, whether well-fed or hungry, whether in abundance or in need. Um, this idea, I think, is huge for delight because I think what can happen is the slippery slope of delighting in things God has made is we can trick ourselves into thinking that some specific thing out there, if we could just get it, that would bring us delight. It's out there somewhere if I could just get it. Instead of delighting what we have already been given, being content in the things that God has given us, being content with the little or the much, being content with what we have and, and working on delighting in what we currently have. Not to say it's not okay to have more or to want other things or to need things, but to, to grow in our practice of delighting in what we already have. That makes us people of delight. Being like, wow, about a backpack. You know what I mean? Delighting in what we already have, being content and that's, that's tough. That's not something that we just naturally are good at. We have to grow in that, to work on that. Um, in Romans, Paul also makes this distinction about making the mistake, not making the mistake, of worshiping created things instead of the creator. So we have to be careful about that. We're talking about delighting in what God made and given us, that we are, that is turning our attention to praising him and worshiping him and not the things. Does that make sense? So this contentment thing is really key. What do I already have? What has God already put in my life? Who has he already put in my life? How can I think about those things and um, find a place of contentment for today? Um, also in Philippians is the last verse that I'm going to throw at you guys. It says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, thanksgiving, present your request to God. 
the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. That's such a good little reminder that rejoice, I'll say it again, rejoice in the Lord always. I was thinking about Leslie talking about having fighting words, having little bits of scripture or little truths you can have in your back pocket that you can carry with throughout the week or the day to remind you what's good and what's true. Uh, rejoice in the Lord always is a great one if you need to put that in your back pocket. Um, just memorize that. Be ready to tell yourself that. If you find yourself falling in sort of a negative funk or you're feeling worried or stressed about something, um, it doesn't change everything, but it's, it reminds you what's true and what's good. So are you a person of delight? Does this come easy to you as you've been thinking about this, as we've been talking about this morning? Is it hard for you? Have you already realized that? Um, assess yourself a little bit and be honest with yourself. Are you someone you think, when, I, when people are around me, do they think I'm, I'm a delightful person? Am I good at being content in the things that I have? Am I good at thinking about and drawing attention to what is good and lovely and, and righteous and um, that God has made and put in our lives? Am I good at rejoicing the Lord always? Ask yourself that question. Are you a person of delight? If you had one hour to fill with delight, what would you do? And what about even a day? Would you struggle to figure it out? <laughs> would you struggle with that? I would, I think. Um, so how can we delight? How can we grow in delighting in our weekly Sabbath rhythm? There's another quote I want to read, and this was, is one that I think actually Em read as well as it's in our small group, the small group film that we've been going through together um, from this book by Dan Allender. He's big on delight, so just, just buckle your seatbelts. Um, the Sabbath is an invitation to enter delight. The Sabbath is when, is when we experience, as God intended, is the best day of our lives. Without question or thought, it's the best day of the week. It's the day we anticipate on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. The day we remember on Sunday, Monday, and Tuesday. Sabbath is the holy time where we feast, play, dance, have sex, sing, pray, laugh, tell stories, read, paint, walk, watch creation in its fullness. Few people are willing to enter the Sabbath and sanctify it, make it holy, because a full day of delight and joy is more than most people can bear in a lifetime, let alone once a week. And I've, re I've read that whole book by this guy, and man, he's big on delight. He's living it up. Him and my friend John would get along very well. Um, so they should write another book together and go on a trip and keep delaying stuff and sleep outside and all that stuff. Um, so make time for reflecting on what's good in your life, I think is one of the biggest practical things you can do. Make time for it. Make a literal list that helps you or just say things out loud to each other uh, of what's good in your life. Um, follow Paul's advice there. If anything's praiseworthy, think about those things. Make, the, make a list of those. One of the things I love when we pray at night with Ezra, um, we'll just kind of try to, to say, hey, what do you want to be thankful for? What do you want to thank God for? And he will mention people he saw that day or the most recent days. He'll be like, I'm thankful for Jude. Thank you for Mama. And it's in that order. Sometimes I'm really early. Sometimes I'm kind of late in the list and he'll probably be later. Sometimes it'll be like, thank you for bed. Thank you for, he's kind of looking around the room picking things. It's just so funny, but like, you know, maybe he's just following instructions or maybe he's like, these are things I love. And like, I'll just, I could go on forever, you know, and I'll thank, I'll thank God for whoever it is I can come, this comes to mind. And he loves when small group um, happens and people come over to a house. He asks like, are friends coming over? And usually the list of prayers that night is pretty long because it's like, he's like trying to remember everybody in a small group, which is a little tough. But 
It just has, has this like, oh, okay, you want me to say things I'm thankful for? Okay, I've got a hundred. How much time do you have? I've got thousands. You know what I mean? We're just kind of not like that. We're like, okay, what's the top five and let's get on with our day. Ezra's like, oh, also he's trying to stall because he didn't want to go to bed. So <laughs> that's part of it. You got to take that into consideration. Um, so, does, and the other thing I think in terms of just, so one thing, think about what you, what, um, make a list of things that you are thankful for and that are good in your life that you can delight in, but also decide things to do on this day that bring you delight and that you don't just do any day of the week. You know what I mean? That you don't just do all the time. Things that make you really grateful to God that are special, that you set time aside to do. It's a muscle that we haven't really used, I don't think. Either it's unused or we've sort of outsourced our delight and stuff to poor placements for delight, like I was talking about it earlier. But, but think about that. What are some special things I could do that really turn my heart toward delight and worship and gratitude to God? You could go on a walk, go on a hike, um, eat a really good meal. You know, there's a bunch of things, and that quote from Dan Allinger had a ton, ton of stuff there. But that, those are the two big things that I think um, you can do is, is setting that time to make lists and actually name and say out loud or whatever you're thankful for, and then also planning activities that make you a delightful person. Um, think, I want to I be someone who loves life deeply and is excited by it and loves to experience it. That's what I think about, like, reading the, the way that he talked about God looking at creation and being just enthralled by it and stuff. I just want to love life that way and be curious and excited and all of that. Um, I'm wrapping up soon. Sorry, guys. Um, so just as the, the last sort of section here, as a group, as, as a people, um, we do need to keep in mind that we are going to have trouble in this life. We're regularly going to be faced with difficulties. It's going to be a thing we have to regularly come back to. Uh, we're going to be faced with sadness and brokenness in our world. How can we delight in the midst of that? Um, and we're also going to be regularly be faced with things that we want to, that we want, that we want to buy, that we think will going to bring us to life. We'll start falling into that trap again. That if I had this, it will help me be delight, uh, be a more delightful person. And that's just going to hap- happen. So how do we fight back? I think it's by, as a group of people, we can help each other be more delightful people by sitting down with our fellow believers, fighting back by breaking bread, eating good food, in the homes that we already have, wherever we're living, with the people that God's already put in our lives, with whatever money we already have, the tools we already have, it's already enough. Eat a delicious meal that you can put together with whatever you have. Drink something you love, but you don't drink it every single day, but that's sort of special. Even if it's chocolate milk and you feel a little bit like a kid when you buy it. Um, or if it's a stony tangoweezy you can only get you know, in other countries. Go on a long walk, enjoy great conversations with friends together or family. Do something fun together, play a game, sing a song, even if you're bad at singing. Uh, go swimming, go on a bike ride, maybe do the bike ride first and then go swimming. Go on a long drive in the country, do something out in creation in the real world with real people in person and delight together. That's what we can do as a group together. Um, I think we can be people who love God deeply with our lives, with our daily lives, and love our lives deeply because of God's goodness. I'll say that again. Be people who love God deeply with our lives and love our lives deeply because of God's goodness. I write this sentence sometimes that are almost like traps for me. It's like, I'm going to missay this. Um, the way we think about our lives and live them out daily matters to God immensely. And it really has a huge effect on those around us. We know this to be true. We have people who are real positive, real negative. You cannot be around Nate and not smile and be a little happier of a person. That is just what you're like, dude. It just, we have an effect on the people around us, positive or negative. 
We have an awesome hope for the future. As followers of Jesus, we have the best hope for the future out of everybody. But an amazing God right now today, he wants us to be joyful and delightful and content, and he gives us so many reasons to do so. The Sabbath is a chance to delight today and to grow into becoming people of delight. Sabbath is a chance to delight today and to grow into becoming people of delight. I have, oh man, yeah, I've got time. Okay, this is just, I was trying to end with a poem, okay? That's it. This is not, I did not write this. This is um, written by, let me see the guy's name, Brian Roanzoin. Sorry, Brian. Um, and this is, is in a podcast about Sabbath and delight that is really good that uh, Am showed me this poem. Draw me to the hearth of inner love towards close fires and healing meals. Like the frosted months gather life and balm the soul. Indulge me in the longing of taffy-stretched conversations, too sweet, too long, and altogether too delightful. Put me, put past the mere bread of daily need and savor a banquet of joy and pleasure. Rejoice with me in feasting fellowship, riding the highs of bell of laughter and bear with me the stomach rising fall that dips near despair. Keep pace in time and step to notice the coloring of leaves, stiffening of branches. Let us be bored to depth, each gravity-laden foot sinking deeper to life, without fear or worry, but with rest. Help me to know at the beginning what we'll have at the end, a friend. Friendship is the victory, born from it, moved by it, and lost in it. Let me savor at the beginning what we will know at the end. God is friendship. Um, Lord, I just ask you to help us to grow in delight and um, be people who uh, really think um, accurately about the kind of joyful, delightful, creative person you are and the ways you want us to experience that now. Help us to help each other. Help us when we're sad. Um, help us to grow in this um, and, sh and share it with others. Um, we're not just having a feast to ourselves. We want to invite others in. Help us be people like that. Help specifically our community to grow in the ways uh, in this that you want us to um, help us be aware of the unique and uh, specific to us problems that we have here. And um, or we just give that over to you and help us to understand this and help us to be people who delight in you, who delight in life, in your creation, and worship you. In your prayer, amen. amen. Don't worry, I don't have another sermon. I just have my notes for these. And I don't know if you guys noticed this or not, but like, okay, well, let me back up a little bit. Several weeks ago, Emily preached this awesome sermon. And today I was noticing how Josh said a couple of times, Emily did this for me. Emily did that. She found this poem for me. She did this. And Josh, I'm just wondering, is Emily right on your sermons? <laughs> 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 Also, I don't know how many of you noticed this beautiful example of delight at the beginning of service, or maybe just heard it, but there were all these little squeals at the beginning, and it was three of our little guys in the back that saw each other from different parts and ran and hugged each other, so delighted to see each other. We need to be more like they are and delight in what God gives us. Okay, so announcements, things that are coming up that are important to our body. Tonight, 
is our ice cream social so this is with all of our family of churches. Everybody looked to be together at the Sun Valley Aquatic Center in Louisville. One of the things I don't think we've said is that this is free. There's no cost for this. So just bring your bathing suit and your towels and probably some water would be nice. And then bring either ice cream or a snack that goes with ice cream to share. And it's always so much fun to get to uh, see people from the other churches and talk and catch up, to get to swim when it's 110 outside. <laughs> and it's going to be a lot of fun. So please make sure there. If you have any questions, you can text uh, Josh or I or give us a call and we'll help you find where we are. But that's tonight. Don't miss it. And then next Saturday from 10 to noon is a baby shower for the Clevelands. And that's at the Robinson's house. And then on Sunday, August the 13th, just during our regular time here, we're going to do a Sabbath feast all together. It's, it's going to be a brunch potluck. So bring a dish to share and be sure if your dish needs a serving utensil that you bring that. We will not have access to the kitchen. And so we need to make sure that we bring everything with us that we need and we take home everything with us that's left over. But as you get here that morning and you set your dish out, grab somebody that you don't know super well and sit at a table so that we're sitting with people that we have a chance to get to know that maybe we don't know as well, because it'll yeah. be a great opportunity for us to get to know different people. And then one of the things that we wanted uh, you to add to save date is September 24th. We're going to do a special contribution for church plants. So when we were planted as a church, we were gifted money from some other churches, and they had been saving literally for years and were able to give that to us. And so we don't know where the next church plant's going to be. We don't know when it's going to be, but we know that when that happens, we want to be able to do the same thing for another church that was done for us. Yeah. So we're just going to start every once in a while taking a special contribution for that, and we're going to put it in the bank and just let that grow until we have an opportunity to give that. So you have time to get creative. Say that you're not going to buy coffee for a week, and you're going to put all that money in. Skip a couple of meals out and put that money in. But there, you can be way more creative than I am. I'm not super creative. So come up with a creative idea and do that. And then we still need help. I don't think I even know all the areas we need help, but I know that we need help on the sound team. I think we still need help on the setup team for chairs and flags and all that. What else? Josh, do you remember? Okay, that's it for right now. And then, um, so our daily bread is looking for volunteer drivers. And they are especially needing them this week. And it's to go pick up donations to transport guests and just a lot of different things. But I don't know if you've looked at the weather this week, but it's supposed to be around 108 almost every day. And so what that means for our daily bread is that they're full 
because they try and get people off the streets because that kind of heat's pretty dangerous. And so they need a lot of extra help shuttling them places and making sure they have enough food for everybody while they're there. So if you can do that, um, I will post the um, email on Mighty Networks where you can let them know and they'll get back with you and tell you what you need to do. And then Stephen has an announcement. There you are. <laughs> About t-shirts. Thanks, Josh, for that awesome plug for our t-shirts because they are now available at anyfocus.org slash shirts. Our theme is in phase two world. So if you want to support Focus, if you want to represent, you can get one. And super surprising, super awesome. There are way more colors this year. And so like, wow, there are like 10 colors. Well, actually, I think a lot of But we have Hello Canvas and we have Copper Colors. So get your shirts. There was a color called cement. I feel about that. And so we got a list of people who graduated in December or in May from Focus, and we have reached out and invited you to a new grads luncheon today. If you were not on that list for some reason, if we missed you, you're welcome to come. It's gonna be at my house. Um, and so just get with one of the other grads and, and get the address and stuff. We'll have plenty of food. And then we're just gonna talk about like, how do you get in a small group? What do you expect from a small group? What are the areas you can serve at DMC? different things like that, and we'll have a Q&A as well. So if you didn't get invited, it was not because we didn't want you to come, we just didn't know. So please join us. All right, let's pray, and then we need to get cleaned up in here, get the chairs put up, get the trash taken out, and yeah, and we'll see you tonight. Uh, God, we just thank you for this morning and for time to be together, for time to worship you together, time to learn more together about Sabbath. I pray, God, that as we leave here, as you send us out from here, that we would be people of delight all throughout the week, that you would open our eyes to see the areas that we can delight, that we wouldn't miss the opportunity to delight and to share that with the people around us. In yeah. Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week. And you can get more information about that at DentonNorthChurch.com.